Welcome to the Soul Grit Podcast. I'm Ann Taylor McNeese, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I also love Jesus, and I'm passionate about all things gospel and therapy. I created Soul Grit to be at the intersection of mental health and Christian faith. Christ followers need a place to ask questions and get answers about mental health. Join me as we dive into real stories and real questions from people who want to honor God with their hearts, souls, and minds. Hey, it's Anne. Today you're going to be hearing my interview with author Taylor Phillips. Since the time we recorded this episode, she sent me two signed copies of her book, and we're going to be doing a giveaway. This is the first ever giveaway on the Soul Grit podcast, so we're super excited. I want you to stay tuned at the end of the interview so that you can hear how you can enter to receive a signed copy of Taylor's book for free, sent in the mail by me. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Soul Grit Podcast. This is Anne, and I'm here with Taylor Phillips, who is an author and a new friend. So welcome, Taylor. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, Anne. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So like you said, I'm an author and a new friend. I just love that so much. I love the God connections. Um, I'm a wife, I'm a business owner, I'm a brand and marketing strategist, and I help Christians come out of hiding and walk confidently in their God-given gifts. Yeah, I'm an author, a dog mom, all the things. Um, I just, I love championing people and, and celebrating what God is doing. And I'm so excited to have our conversation today. Yeah, I'm excited too. I love meeting new people and especially people who also love Jesus <laughs> and, and like women who are, you know, movers and shakers, as they say, like you're doing yeah. something, you've found a, a calling and, and a mission that God has given you and you're helping bring that to other people and kind of awaken them to what God has for their life. So tell, first tell us a little bit about your business. What do you do in your business? Um, yeah. So like I said, a brand and marketing strategy. And so basically what that looks like, um, is I have two offers really, I mean, centered around somebody who's just starting in their business and really wants to build a good foundation in starting out and what that looks like of developing, um, their, their product or their offer, developing their marketing strategy, developing their visions, goals, dreams, all of that. And so I do, I do uh, coaching in that area six week. And then if you're just like a business owner and you're like, listen, I need to pivot or I feel like I'm spinning my wheels in the mud. Um, I need clarity. I feel like I'm just hearing the lies. Like I can't keep going and doing this. Um, I do 90 minute strategy calls where we troubleshoot your business. And we're like, where's the problem? Let's solve it and move forward and just kind of give you that fresh vision moving forward. All right. How did you get into like caring about people's businesses? Um, well, it was something I ran from for years, <laughs> quite frankly, um, because I believed the lie that I couldn't be an author and a business owner, which okay. is just like a whole identity thing in and of itself. But um, I got into marketing through social media management at first, mm -hmm. and I absolutely loved elevating Christian business owners because I believe that Christian business owners need, need to be at the forefront um, of the movers and shakers. And yeah. oftentimes... Uh, we have a tendency to hide ourselves as Christians because we don't want to elevate ourselves to this position where 
we're giving ourselves glory, but we don't know how to find a balance of promoting our business in a healthy manner, but also glorifying God. So I kind of got in it through it that way. And I just fell in love with helping uh, small business owners just find the confidence in, in their message and, and their product and what they were doing. And, and I started noticing that having somebody come alongside them and champion them and encourage them in what they were doing really just set them apart and kind of gave them a fresh vision. And, um, so I, I started m marketing in July and then in October, the Lord said, let's pivot to coaching and consulting. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> because I get to talk to people and, um, you know, come alongside them and just let them know, Hey, I believe in you. I believe in your vision. Um, sometimes that's all it takes to just keep moving forward is knowing somebody believes in you outside of you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is that, so that was just this year that, that all came together. Yeah, absolutely. So I've been doing social media marketing for three years, but I just decided to jump in all at once and say, let's do it. So yes, July of this year was when it all kind of came together. Well, congratulations on that. So your book came out earlier this year, right? It did January of this year. Okay. Tell us about your book. What's it called? Yeah. So my book is called Training Ground from Anointing to Appointing. And we hear all these things about pursuing our calling. We hear all these things about uh, doing what it is that God has called you to do. And we see a lot of people's end results, uh, but we forget about the journey in between oftentimes, uh, which is why I call it from anointing to appointing. Um, You know, I consider anointing that that time when you know, okay, this is what I know God has called me to do. And the appointing is the walking it out. Um, and so oftentimes, like I said, we see everybody's end result and we get frustrated because we're, we're not translated like we want to be. Mm -hmm. Um, and in reality, it's a transformation process. It's a training ground, uh, to prepare us for walking in what it is God has called us to do. So that's what training ground is about is that in between journey and learning how to pursue what it is that God has called us to do with honor integrity, the right Mm -hmm. motives of our heart, um, and excitement and having faith, even when it's hard to have faith to continue walking in obedience. Yeah. I know so many people who could use that message right now. It's, it's, it's short. So it's not like a, it's not a long book. It's like a hundred pages. So it's totally short, totally doable. Um, yeah all the things. So it, it's, a, it's an, a short and easy read, which I know many have appreciated. Yeah. Especially if you're doing the hustle of a new business. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, I work with a lot of makers and creatives in my uh, counseling practice. And mm. so uh, that is something where, when you know, you're not cut out for like a nine to five job <laughs> and working for somebody else. And you're going to be an entrepreneur. You're going to be a creative, um, somebody who, who makes things from, you know, from the heart. Uh, that's, that's a message that I think my clients really need to he- hear about is that, you know, you're, you're not meant to do this other thing. You're meant to do this. And yet it's such a struggle getting from there to like a sustainable lifestyle and living. Yes. Yeah. So good. I'm going to, I'm going to get some copies of your book and <laughs> have it available. I do have, I do have copies on hand from a conference that I spoke at. So if anybody wants a signed copy mailed to them, oh. 
Okay. Yeah, well, reach out on uh, info at soulgritresources.com and we might be able to get you a copy. There you go. <laughs> okay, good, Taylor. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about your experiences that led you to the point where you were writing this book? Mm, that's a good question. Really, it started out knowing that God had called me to more than just living my life on a day-to-day basis. And there came a point when I was 20 that I was at a women's conference and I felt like what was being unraveled before me is, is this picture of what I know God had called me to do, which, you know, was writing and speaking and what then unfolded after that time was literally an identity crisis of sorts. Um, I had been through an identity crisis before, uh, you know, through teenage years, just trying to figure out who I was, you know, hearing the lies of being unwanted and and not worthy and and things like that. And I kind of walked that out. But once I realized that I had a purpose greater than myself, and it was to bring God glory, I began trying to do it in and of myself. Mm -hmm. I thought, okay, so here's my plan. Here's what I know. God has called me to do. How do I walk that out? You know, because as a kid, you're, you're asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? Well, when you answer that question, you then get steps of, okay, well, you've got to go to college. You've got to get a good job. You've got to do X, Y, and Z. Well, we, we try and apply that to what it is we know God has called us to do. And that's really not how it's supposed to work. You know, we're supposed to partner with him every step of the way. And so for years, I tried to do it by myself. I read up on what writers, Christian writers and speakers are doing. I tried to do it exactly the way that they did by having a website and a blog and submitting articles and, you know, all of these things like get eyes on me so that somebody would look at me and be like, I want to publish your work. Mm -hmm. What actually transpired was rejection 100% all across the board. Every article I sent in, it was your writing is too deep. It's too spiritual. It's too X, Y, Z. And I'm like, wait, are you a Christian or are you not a Christian? Like, are you still sipping on milk? Or are you ready for some meat? You know, so I wish I really, people could really, see my face right now. Cause I'm like, <laughs> what? It's too deep. Oh, come on. Listen. Um, <laughs> and that was, that was hard. Um, I, you know, I know you, you've dealt with rejection yourself. Listeners have dealt with rejection and you guys know what that feels like. It, it just really begins to silence the excitement in you because you think, Maybe if people aren't validating me, I'm just not meant to do this. And so I went to my writer's cave is the only way that I can describe it. Mm -hmm. And I just said, Lord, I know this is what you've asked me to do. I know this is what you've called me to do, but why, why is this not happening? What's going on? And I just, I hid for four or five years, quite frankly. And I just wrote everything that came to mind, every frustration, every struggle that I dealt with dealing with being stripped to nothing, literally, because what the Lord took me through was a process of, I wanted to elevate myself. And he's like, listen, I'm calling you to go low so that I can help you elevate me, not yourself. And just this realization that we have a heavenly father who knows us so intimately. I mean, he created us from, from like nothing, you know, he created us and he desires so much for us to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. And he's given us those 
those tools and those tips and those ways to do that in his word and in relationship with him. But it requires submission and surrender, which are two words that I feel like Christians hate so much because they're some of the hardest words. Anyway, so it was about a three-year process, and I actually was having a conversation with a friend about some of my frustrations about Mm self-promotion and setting yourself in a place where you know you're supposed to be eventually, but it might not be time for that right now, and how oftentimes Christians do that. And they can't sustain in the long run because they put themselves in that position instead of it being a grace and a season for them to be in that position. And she said, Tay, this is a book. I'm (laughs) like, what? Are you kidding me? I went home that night and I wrote three chapters and I'm like, this is it. And what was so neat about that is the years of writing that I did before that I thought this is going to go nowhere. Mm -hmm. You know what? It's in my book. Oh, (laughs) it is in my book. And that was just the coolest redemption story for me of God saying, look, all of this I used for this. Mm -hmm. So I know from talking to other authors or people that want to be authors that it's, it feels like a huge deal to have like a publishing company say, yes, we want this. And then there's other authors that are like, whether or not a publishing company wants me, I know this is what God told me to write Mm -hmm. and I wrote it and I need to get it out there. So I'm self-publishing and now I'm on Amazon, you know? Mm -hmm. So what, how was that process for you? Yeah. So I thought I was going to go the traditional publishing route. Mm -hmm. I got very upset with uh, Christian traditional publishing companies because all their authors are like, don't promote yourself. Don't promote yourself. Trust God to do it. But yet you've got this narrative from traditional Christian publishing companies saying, we're not going to uh, publish you unless you have a minimum of 10,000 followers. Like they're more concerned about numbers, which I get it. I'm a business owner. I mean, sometimes you have to have those numbers to make it, but I'm like, well, what happened about the, what happens about, or what happens with the underdog? Like, happens to those people who just want to be obedient. And I tried self-publishing before I've had a few things being self-published, but I'm like, that's just not my gig. I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't want that. And I just said, Lord, you're going to have to bring somebody to me. And I listened to a podcast episode and uh, somebody who owns an indie publishing company. So uh, United House Publishing is actually who published my book. And I'm actually a coach with them now. Uh, where I help coach authors in that. And they're such a champion of the underdog. You know, it's not about your numbers. It's not about whether or not you're going to be a bestseller or anything like that. It's simply being obedient to what God has called you to do. And so that's, that's the route I ended up taking was just that middle ground because it's sort of like self-publishing, but it's not, you know, you get that support of a publishing company, but not like a traditional publishing company where they're all about their numbers and nothing about the author. So Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. It's good Mm -hmm. to know that there are places out there. Like if you have a message, there's a way to get it out. Mm -hmm. That's maybe not the traditional way, but also not the just depend solely on yourself way. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Good. Okay. Well, congratulations on that. Uh, I can't wait to read it. And I wanted to ask you, because this is, you know, the podcast about mental health and Christian faith, like what has been your journey with your mental health? Mm, loaded question, loaded mm-hmm. question. Um, 
it's, it's been a back and forth, quite frankly. Um, you know, I, I've mentioned earlier that my biggest struggle was with identity mm-hmm. and dealing with knowing who I was because from a young age, whether that's unintentional words people have spoken or situations I found myself in as a kid that confirmed a lie that was in my mind, I adopted this thought process that I was unwanted. And when you have that thought in the back of your mind, no matter what you go through, whether you've got people in your life that are like, you're incredible, I love you, I want you kind of thing. When you're so used to hearing the narrative of being unwanted, you start looking for situations that justify that lie, that confirm the lie that's in your mind. Mm -hmm. And along with being unwanted, comes not being worthy, not feeling worthy. And so you start acting like that. And that's really where I was at mentally is I began looking for approval from people because I wasn't feeling wanted. And I thought, you know, let me just make myself into whatever it is that people want me to be so that they need me. It really didn't even become a matter of a want. They wanted me anymore. I became everything and all things so that they were forced to need me, even if they didn't want me. And that really was just such a spiral, a a vicious cycle Mm -hmm. in mentally of people pleasing, dealing with rejection, uh, finding my identity in anything and everything, but in who God called me to be and, and, and as his child. And so, um, I was in this vicious mental cycle of just being miserable, really dealing with anxiety, dealing some with depression, not a whole bunch of depression until I started losing pillars in my life. Um, but mostly with anxiety and I would really consider it like a high functioning anxiety, quite frankly, uh, just because I, I was more, it was more based around what people wanted me to do and Mm -hmm. trying to figure out how I can just make people happy so that they needed me. Um, and I remember hitting a wall about four years ago, actually, where I'm just like, I need help. I need, I need help. I don't know who can help me out of this spiral. I don't know who can, um, treat me in essence, because I'm like, I feel like the mentally where I was at, I needed to be admitted somewhere Mm -hmm. because it was just such chaos in my mind. And I didn't know how to sort through that because I didn't know what was a lie. And I didn't know what was truth because I was living in this middle ground of whatever it looked like, you know, I have no idea. And so, um, that's when I really discovered and understood that mental health is so important as a Christian, um, outside of being a Christian man, mental health, but just specifically mental health and, uh, being a Christian, like that's just something that's not talked about, you know, because we often throw scripture at it and think, okay, just because I'm throwing scripture at it, that means it's going to solve the problem. But yeah, scripture is, is living and active and it, and it divides everything and lays, it lays us open. But if we don't know how, we're dealing with something or that what we're experiencing is a response to trauma or 
uh, a people please, you know, if we don't know why we're functioning the way we're functioning, how can we apply scripture to heal us in the right way? Um, because for me, I was finding the wrong scripture and, and, and speaking the wrong things, not that speaking scripture is wrong, but I just, it wasn't clear about what I was dealing with. And so I really wasn't truly addressing the issue at hand, which was an identity issue. I was thinking it was an anxiety issue. I was thinking it was a heart issue. I was, you know, I was thinking it was all of these things, an alcohol issue, whatever. But in reality, at the root of all of it, it was an identity issue. And so what I needed to do was to go back and know, understand who I was in Christ and then address those issues, if that makes sense. So was there a person that helped you do that or was it from reading books or how, how did you get to the point where you realized, oh, this is an identity issue and here's where I'm going to get help? Mm. Well, uh, so I went to school and I, uh, college for psychology. I have a yeah. psychology degree, substance abuse minor. So I thought yeah. that was going to solve all my problems. I'm <laughs> like, here, let me help people solve their problem. And maybe I'll just cover mine up and not ever have to deal with mine. Um, a lot of it, I think was realizing that I could not take a compliment. Mm -hmm. I could not take people saying, you're so good at what you do. Um, you're incredible. You know, I could not take those things and I would, um, act outside of that. If that makes sense, I would act contrary to what they were speaking almost Mm -hmm. as if to prove to them that I wasn't worth what they Mm -hmm. were saying. And so as I, it really took, me growing in my relationship with the Lord. It took me seeking his face and saying, what's really going on here? I would have these moments where everything was clear and I was walking in total freedom. I felt like, and then something would switch and I would go right back into the spiral and the cycle of feeling unwanted and unworthy and fighting those thoughts and fighting people pleasing and dealing with rejection. And, um, it wasn't until I went to a women's conference and I, they, they had like an altar call and, um, you know, I'd gone up to the front and I'm like, listen, I'm dealing with anxiety. And, you know, she, as she was just praying over me, she got a word of knowledge and was like, yeah, I mean, you're dealing with this, but it's an, and it's an identity issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of just tossed it away. Cause I'm like, well, I said I was dealing with anxiety, like, it's anxiety, you know, <laughs> anyway. So actually it was when I started writing my second book, when the Lord said, you're going to be writing on identity. I'm like, why am I writing on identity? And he's like, because you spent the last 25 years in an identity crisis. And I'm like, Ooh, that's <laughs> fun. Um, and I realized that a lot of the things that we deal with, um, and I'm, and I'm not, please hear me when I say I'm, I'm not negating dealing with anxiety or depression or anything like that. I'm not limiting it to an identity issue. This is solely my case and my, my, de- my deal, my thing, there we go. My thing that I was dealing with was an identity issue and having that identity crisis, everything else from was stemming from that because I was trying to find my identity and the things that I did and the people pleasing and my career and having to be at the top of everything. And instead of realizing that my identity is first as a child of God, Mm -hmm. and then from that flows everything else. And as I began walking that out and realizing that I realized that there's a lot of women, especially who struggle with that same thing, because 
you know, if you find your identity in a, as a mother, uh, what happens when your kids leave, mm-hmm. you know, to go to college or you suddenly find yourself as an empty nest? We've got a lot of uh, divorces that happen when kids move out of the house because marriages haven't been prioritized because they found their identity in being a parent, which those things aren't bad. Mm-hmm. It's what we do. It's what we've been called to do, but that is not who we are. We are children of God first. And so that was just kind of the unraveling that took place for me. So it it was a series of things to answer your question, but really what it was, was just drawing near to the Lord and realizing that there was this gap in my life somewhere. Mm -hmm. I'm getting this image as you're talking about, like, like you're in a boat and the current is going downstream. Yeah. And you can have your, let's say you have a motor on, eventually it runs out of gas for you to be able to stay in that spot. Or let's say you're rowing and your arms are going to fall off because you've Mm -hmm. been rowing so long to keep Mm -hmm. in that same spot. Whereas when you have a, you put down an anchor and the Mm -hmm. anchor is your identity in Christ. Like you might drift a little bit, but you're not going anywhere. Like mm-hmm. you're, you're going to stay within the, you know, a few feet of that area without even working to prove yourself or to prove to other people that you're worthwhile. You just mm-hmm. have to stay there because your anchor has been laid in, in Christ. Yes, absolutely. Not in anything else. Absolutely. So I, I, and I do see a lot of people that are just rowing and rowing and rowing and their arms are falling off mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they don't they don't have that anchor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's well, and I, you know, you read throughout scripture talking about how, uh, the Lord is a strong tower Mm. or, uh, you know, a shield or a shelter, you know, you read that throughout the Psalms and the old Testament. And I thought, what does that even mean? Like, (laughs) how does that even apply to my life? you can't see it physically. So, you know, I'm such a a visual person anyway, but I'm like, how does that even, what does that even look like? (laughs) What, how does that apply? And, you know, when you really decide to take God at his word and it's a process, I will tell you that I was in and out of bondage so many times when it came to identity, because Ultimately, something would happen as I was walking in freedom where the enemy would then be like, see, you're really not free. See, you're yep. really still dealing with this. And so um, then you revert back to uh, your coping mechanism of sorts. People pleasing was mine. Um, and anyway, but when you really decide to take God at his word and you you decide to trust that what he says is true, which newsflash, it's true. Um <laughs> you know, and you walk in that, that's when he becomes that strong tower. And when they, when it says that the righteous run to it and are safe, it's like when you're facing that identity crisis of wanting to revert back to any of those things that those coping mechanisms, alcohol, people pleasing, anything like that, you know, you can run into the safety of the identity in Christ of like, listen, I know this is who you say I'm in. I'm just going to sit in this for a little bit before, Mm -hmm. you know, and then when you take that time to just sit with him and hear him seeing over you of you're my child, you're my daughter, you're my son then that's when that strength arises for you to be able to go out and to face Mm -hmm. those things head on. Yeah. You know, I talk to a lot of people that 
just have a hard time. Like you said, like you're a visual person, like what does that even look like to have a strong tower? So for you, like just behaviorally, like if we were to take, you know, we got to peer into the home of Taylor Phillips, like what, what does it look like when you're running to your strong tower? Um, so I actually have a spot in my home, uh, which I'm so weird, but it's fine. (laughs) I love sitting on the floor. Yeah. It doesn't matter where I'm at. I mean, if I, if there's just not a lot of floor space, space, I'm going to sit on furniture, but if I can (laughs) use, I'm going to sit on the floor and my home is, is older. Um, but we have a a wall furnace and I just love being warm. It's like a, it's a comfort thing. Mm -hmm. And so you can see just this well-worn spot in front of the heater where I've been on my knees and I realized that I needed a physical place to go. And that's just like my meeting place with the Lord. And I'll be fully transparent and safe for like the last year. It's not been as, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, like frequent or well, yes, frequent. There we go. Um, over the last year, it's not been as frequent, but there have been so many times that that well-worn spot has caught my attention and called me back. Mm -hmm. Um, and so peeking into my home, that's where you'll find me. Um, because I'm on my knees, whether that's like, Lord, I need to hear a word from you, or I've got worship music playing. And I'm just like, Lord, I need you to fill me. Mm -hmm. And I'm not moving until I feel peace. Um, yeah, does not matter the circumstance, the situation or anything like that. Like that is where you can find me running to my, my physical strong tower. Yeah. So for somebody like you, that you've admitted that people pleasing is such a strong pull for you and that, so I'm imagining it's going to look like somebody's asked something of you, or, you know, that there's something that you could do that would make that person like you or think highly of you or whatever it is. And so you're going to this spot by the heater before you do any of those actions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And so that actually was how I walked out being free from people pleasing, you know, because it used to be that anytime I got a text message, anytime I got an email or Mm -hmm. a comment or a message on Facebook, whatever it was saying, Hey, can you? I would immediately say yes without even thinking about it because, um, you know, when I, when I talked about, you know, just those seeds of people pleasing and and reading the room and becoming who people uh, needed me to be, even if they didn't want me, it became an addiction, really. Um, People's opinions of me became my obsession and their, their need for me became a kryptonite of just, that was what I like my, literally when I say, um, my heart raced and my nostrils flared. It was literally like an adrenaline, adrenaline rush for people needing me. It didn't matter if they didn't like me or they didn't want me, but they needed me because I could do what they needed. And it was like, it became this prideful overreach of you're weak and I'm strong. So watch me feel this need for you kind of thing. Um, and so when that really became apparent to me, the Lord just really, worked with me on pause. It does not require an immediate response. 
I need you to seek me first. And my husband has been so good to help me walk that out. Um, the last several years actually of just reminding me to be careful with my yes, that if I truly want to walk out what God has for me, I have to be guarded with my yes. Mm -hmm. And sometimes well, what I found out is when I wasn't as immediate with my yes and, hey, I can solve this problem, 10 minutes later, they had the problem solved or it could wait for another week or it was a never mind. I've got this figured out, whatever it was. And it that in and of itself unraveled so much more because it's like, oh, hey, they don't really need you. But it became so freeing to not be so bound by people's need of me. And instead, I was able to really rest in what he was doing in me and rest in his peace and who he called me to be so that I could step into what I knew I was called to do. Yeah. You had to free up that space to be able mm -hmm. to do the thing God really wanted you to do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, thank you. Cause I just wanted to give people like a really practical picture. Like, what does it look like to make this kind of change? Because it's mm -hmm. an internal change. You mm -hmm. have to do something on the outside to enable the internal change. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, absolutely. great. Well, um, Taylor, how can people find you on, mm -hmm. on the internet, <laughs> the social medias? Yeah. yeah. So, um, I'm on Facebook. I'm not as like super active there, um, but Taylor Phillips author is where you can find me. Um, I also have an MNH marketing page, but Instagram, that's where I love to hang out. Okay. Um, so you can find me on Instagram at Taylor underscore Phillips underscore. And that's where you'll find all things business, all things books, all things Christian, all of it. <laughs> Great. And I will make sure to link that too, because as I was doing a little bit of research for you, there is another Taylor Phillips author that wrote something else. That's not what you, not what you wrote. So I'll make sure we have the link so people can go directly there. And if they need help with businesses or identity, then you're the person to yeah. contact and I to would follow. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we always wrap up episodes with this question. What are you doing for soul care? Mm, I love this question um, because it stops me in my tracks all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it goes back to what I said earlier of just being intentional with my yes, yeah, being intentional with my time, uh, taking regular inventory of what's stealing my peace. And oftentimes what's stealing my peace is something that I'm worried about. And so I'm able to chase those thoughts mm -hmm. or uh, put it to rest, like express it out loud, whatever it is. So just really taking regular inventory of how, am I walking in peace today? And if I'm not walking in peace today, why and how can that be solved kind of thing? And really getting back into the practice of surrendering and going low before the Lord first, mm -hmm. not in the afternoon, not at the end of the day um, first, because for me, if I'm not doing that first, then I'm not being centered in peace and I'm making decisions out of chaos, which is not good for me. <laughs> okay. So your soul care has a lot to do with like your mental environment, mm -hmm. like taking your thoughts captive and, and yes. being intentional with how you're thinking and how you're responding to people. Yeah. Cause that can quickly become the most unstable part. about <laughs> Right. <laughs> most of us, that's not just you. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> 
Okay. Well, good. Well, I really appreciate you coming and sharing about what you're doing and how um, people can just receive from this appointing that you have on your life and you're helping other people to do that. And thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I truly enjoyed it. I hope you really enjoyed that interview with Taylor Phillips. Since she sent me her book and I got to read it over the Christmas holidays, I really enjoyed reading her book and I think you will too. If you'd like to receive a signed copy of it for free, you can enter our giveaway. Here's how you do it. First, go to whatever podcast player you're listening to this on and look for the spot where you can rate and review the podcast. After you've given your review, take a screenshot of it and email that to info at soulgritresources.com. That will automatically enter you into the drawing for the giveaway. And if you'd like to get an extra entry into the giveaway, go ahead and follow me on Instagram at soulgritresources and tag a friend that you think would like to hear this episode. Can't wait to see who gets to read Taylor's book next. Thanks for being here with me today on the Soul Grit Podcast. I just wanted to give you a reminder that you can sign up to receive weekly emails from me by going to soulgritresources.com. I promise not to spam you, and I also promise to make you aware of valuable new resources such as podcast episodes, blogs, and more. Let's be friends! The Soul Grit Podcast is a production of Soul Grit Resources. You can find more at soulgritresources.com or on the socials at Soul Grit Resources. You can email me at info at soulgritresources.com.